0: This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks For more downloads go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm We hope you enjoy the talk I think the importance of the promises of God can be seen from the chapter that our president has just read for us and there we can see that Peter along with uh, the other apostles were commissioned by the Lord Jesus to preach the good news of the kingdom of God and this would mean that the kingdom of God would be established on this earth and that Jesus in some future time would sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. This clearly is the basis of the faith of the apostles and particularly here Peter preaches this gospel message he preached it first to the Jews then he preached to the Gentiles and the message was of great importance to Peter and he describes it as you can see there in the very first verse of that reading it says Simon Peter a servant, a bond servant, and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith so straight away he says that the faith, the belief that he has was precious uh, uh, with us through the righteousness of God and our saviour Jesus Christ so, so the faith was precious of great value that's what it means when it says it is precious and you can see that, that it's expanded see it's just not left there is it it brings this point about faith out again and say how important it is to our eternal well being if you just look at now at verse 2 there It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby given to us, and here again we have the emphasis, but exceeding great and precious promises so not only are the promises precious they're exceedingly great as well and the reason for that is given straight away that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust so the corruption that we're all subject to now as time goes on death will overtake us But you can see here, it says that we can partake of everlasting life. But it only comes through the promises of God. So in this teaching here, I believe that we now who are dying creatures, are in fact given what I would term peace of mind. And in fact, in one part of scripture, it says the peace of mind that passeth all understanding. And it's this peace that God gives to us because it is centred around the promises that he's made. I think right away, if you look at the New Testament, it begins the process to show the importance of the promises of God. And at the beginning of the New Testament, which is in Matthew, it says that this is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, who was the son of David and the son of Abraham. Now, why say the son of David and the son of Abraham? It's because to these two men... The promises were proclaimed by God. And so Jesus is the son of God. He's also the son of David and the son of Abraham. And that has a relevance to the promises. As you're going to see in a moment. But the divine promise can only be realised through the son of God. So the promises through Abraham and David. Come first through the Son of God, because He removes the sin which is the barrier to eternal life, and that's how the great and precious promises come to us. So, to partake of the divine nature, we've got to have a knowledge and understanding and a belief in these promises. It's not a subject that we can choose to believe or not, it's essential. If we don't believe, we die and perish. So it's of great importance. So what are the promises of God? Well, there are three, as we've already indicated. One is relative to the Son of God, that takes away sin. The second comes through Abraham, who was given divine promises. And the third came through David. Each one was necessary. It's the stage in the process of giving life eternal. But we have to take on board all the three processes. Let's go to the first promise that God makes. The first promise as one would expect. Is right at the beginning of scripture. In Genesis chapter 3. Having identified sin. And the result death. A promise is immediately given. By God. To dying human beings. And it comes out in chapter Three verse 15 of Genesis where God says having Adam and Eve having sinned in the garden of Eden they are then subject to death and the serpent that instigated the sin becomes a symbol a representative of sin and so what God says I have enmity between thee the serpent and between thee the woman between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head thou shalt bruise his heel there is significance here what it is it's the removal of sin through the seed of the woman through the action of god god acts upon the substance of the woman and so gives salvation through his son and so what we read now in verse 19 that adam is subject to ave is subject to death in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread until thou return to the ground for out of it was thou taken for dust thou art and and unto dust shalt thou return and that's the process of life that's the curse that's put upon man because of sin but we can see here that we can through the sinlessness of the Lord Jesus have our sins covered and therefore be subject to the other promises of God that come to us this is given if you turn there To first Peter, so we move further on now from second Peter that we had introduction. look at first peter uh, look at chapter two and at verse twenty one for even here too were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, living as an example that we should follow his steps. so Christ suffers for us in his death, but he becomes an example that we must follow. He becomes our representatives, that's what it's saying. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who, his own self, bare our sins in his own body on the tree. This is the death of Jesus. That we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. And so now you can see immediately that there's a way of escape. But we must follow the example. So how can we die? Well, we die not in the same way that Jesus did, dying on that stake. But we still have to die with Christ. We must have some association with that sacrificial death. And that comes out in clear teaching there are two things we have to do we have to believe the truth of the gospel bound in the promises then we must be related to that through baptism in water and that is the way that we follow his example we die with him in the waters of baptism and rise up with this new hope if you want to understand the way that this works if you turn with me to Romans here and Romans is very very clear on this particular teaching it starts the method of salvation through the promises and if you go with me to Romans chapter 6 and just look at verse 3 and we'll just read through there know ye not that so many as have been baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death so we're following our example in these waters of baptism Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is free from sin, And if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. So Christ is a partaker of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption because he was sinless. And we who sin can have our sins forgiven by going through his death that sacrificial death by going into the waters of baptism totally covered we come out related to the promises of God and this is now where we can start to look at the promises that follow because God made definite promises concerning inheritance in the earth and these promises were made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and these are the covenants of promise Each one, of course, is only built on its predecessor. Without the promise in Eden and the covering of sin, we would never inherit. But once we've been associated with the covering, we then can inherit the earth through the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. And it means then that we become heirs of this kingdom that was promised to Abraham. So we have to go back to Abraham so we go back now to Genesis we've moved a little bit further on in Genesis now and if you look at Genesis 13 here it shows the promise and the substance of the promise, the promise is associated with the land of Israel the land is there today the promised land is there, that's the centre of God's purpose this was the land that was promised to Abraham from which God's name would be established in the earth when Jesus returns as king so what we do we look at this now and we see in verse 14 of Genesis 13 and the Lord said unto Abram after the Lord was separated from him lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou northward southward eastward and westward so we have to look through that land the land which can be identified now the land of Israel and it says and all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that man can number the dust of the earth then shall thy seed be numbered then as though to say it's on this earth he says rise walk through the land walk in the land of Israel go through it and see what it's like in the length of it and the breadth of it for I will give it unto thee now the important thing is Abraham never received this land he had to buy a piece of land to bury his wife in so he didn't have enough uh, of the land given to him. To, to bury his wife. But it's going to be in the future. When he's raised from the dead. He's still in the dust of the ground now. But the promise. Still exists. And it, it, this is pointed so clearly for us. If you go over to Hebrews. Hebrews shows how this promise. Will still be operated. But how do we know this? Well we believe it in faith. We believe that God Will do exactly what he promised to Abraham and so if you turn with me to Hebrews 11 and you look at verse 8 it says there by faith Abraham when he was called to go out from a place which he should after receive uh, for an for inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went and then it goes on to say there how he, uh, he went out and by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. Heirs with him of the same promise. But he looked for the future. It says. For he looked for a city. Which had foundations. Whose builder and maker was God. And yet he died. Well of course he's subject to the resurrection. When Jesus returns to the earth. He's still in the dust of the ground now. But what it says is in verse 13. If you look at verse 13 now all these died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth for they say such things clearly uh, declared plainly that they seek a country and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out they might have had opportunity to return But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Where God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. And there it says a heavenly kingdom. And that's what the Lord's prayer says. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when God's will is done. From the land of Israel. Then this will be a fulfilment of that promise that we still wait for you might notice there that he went out from a country he went out from Ur of the Chaldees under the instruction that God gave to him regarding the promise to him and his seed and that's where we go back to again we go back to Genesis 12 look at the beginning of Genesis 12 this is where the call to Abram came now verse 1 the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and this was her of the Chaldees; he lived in the area there, in Mesopotamia, and from thy, fa- uh, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and this was the land of Israel, the land of Canaan, as it was called then, and I'll make of thee a great nation, I'll bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now that I I would suggest. Is the promise of the coming of God's kingdom. This is the good news. And that's what the gospel means. This is the good news that we even in our generation. Still preach the same things that Abraham believed. Abraham believed the gospel. If you turn with me to uh, Galatians. This clearly states that Abraham believed the gospel, the gospel that Jesus preached, and so if we turn now to there to uh, Galatians and look at Galatians chapter three, and just read from verse six, even as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore, they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the nations through faith. Preached before the gospel to Abraham saying in thee shall all nations be blessed. And that's what it said in, in Genesis chapter 12. That in thee all nations would be blessed. But in Abraham's seed we've got a link with the Lord Jesus. And if you might remember we said Matthew's gospel starts off to say that Jesus was the son of Abraham. And so he becomes the one through whom others, like ourselves, can gain benefit by inheriting the promises that were made in those early days to Abraham. And if you look at verse 26, you'll see the link there. Verse 26 of Galatians 3 says, For ye all the children of God, by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many as you have been baptized into Christ are put on Christ. Well, we, we said Romans 6 explains that we're baptised into Christ that sets this process in motion as far as we individually are concerned there's neither Jew nor Greek there's neither bond nor free there's neither male nor female for you're all one in Christ Jesus now if you're in Christ then you're subject to the promises and relate to the promised land the land of Israel and it says if you be Christ then are you Abraham's seed and what do you inherit heirs according to the promise and the promise was that promised land. Now we follow this stage. As we go. To the one who will rule. In this kingdom of God. Which will rule the whole world. But it's the first dominion. Which is that land of promise. It's the land from which God's name will be revealed. Throughout the earth. When Jesus returns. And Jesus will sit upon the throne. In the land of Israel. And the throne, of course, is the throne of David. Now the promise here comes to David by the prophet Nathan, and you'll find it's actually in Second Samuel. So if you go back to the Old Testament now and pick out the second, the, the, the third promise that comes out from uh, this Second Samuel chapter seven. In chapter seven, you'll you'll see if we read this section, the way that all this pieces together. Look at verse starting off Second Samuel seven, and we'll start the context from verse eight. Now, therefore, so shall uh, thou say unto my servant David. So this is what the prophet had to say to David. Thus saith the Lord of hosts: I took thee from the sheepcoats, from following the sheep, to be ruler over, over my people, over Israel. I, I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and I've have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight and made thee a great name like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth moreover I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more neither shall the children of of wickedness afflict them any more as before time and as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel have um, and have caused thee to, to rest from all thine enemies. Also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. And as David was going to die like Abraham had. But in faith I will set up thy seed after thee. Which shall proceed out of thy bowels. I will establish his kingdom says God. And he shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. God will be his father. And he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity I will chasten him with the rod of men. And with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him. As I took it from Saul. Whom I put away from before thee. Thine house and thy kingdom. Shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. So this eternal inheritance in the earth obviously comes here through David and particularly David's seed just as it was the land was inherited from the seed of Abraham so in that same line David was going to be the forerunner of the one who would be a king as David was over the people of Israel and that promise was made prior to the birth of the Lord Jesus so there isn't any mistaking The link that's made here with the throne in Jerusalem. If you turn with me now to Luke chapter 1. Here we have the angel speaking to Mary prior to the birth of Jesus. See the way the language fits in with that promise. And we'll go to verse 30. And the angel said unto Mary, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David now Jesus never sat upon the throne of his father David he was crucified, he was raised from the dead he ascended to heaven but he's never ever sat on the throne of David so clearly that is still to be fulfilled and that's the importance of that message to us That we can see that Jesus will return to the earth. He's going to return to Jerusalem. And bring to pass the fulfilment of that promise. That comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7. Well you might notice that that promise. Was actually seen in a twofold sense. Because we can see there. That there's going to be a spiritual house. Because it was from David's seed. And made up of people. The house was made up of people. And also it tells us that there will be a literal house. If you want to understand what the spiritual house will be made. It's made up of people as we said. It's composed of those that are in Christ. And this is where God will work in the kingdom through these people. And if you look there. You'll see in Ephesians. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2. There it talks about this spiritual house. That's made up from people. And it's quite clear, it's based upon the writings of the Apostles and Prophets. And by having faith in these things, we become participants in this spiritual temple, this dwelling place for God. And it says there, just reading a few verses from uh, that particular chapter, start off with verse 19 of, of Ephesians 2. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints. And the household of God. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's the belief in these scriptures that we've been talking about. And Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building fitly framed together. groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also builded together. For an habitation of God through the Spirit. So there, that is the promise. That's the good news of God's kingdom as far as we are concerned individually. But this doesn't take away the the reality of the kingdom. Because there in the kingdom, there will be a second aspect of this house. Because the temple that Ezekiel describes in detail at the end of his prophecy, that temple will be built so that all people can come and worship the name of the Lord from a literal building. Now, if you want to see the background to this, if you look at um, uh, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 2, this is the structure of this kingdom when the promise is made to Abraham as regards the land and to David regarding the throne. And so the rulership will go forth from this particular land that was promised. So the two come together, bound up in the work of the Lord Jesus. He is the one that joins these together. He's like the, the, the link stone. The chief cornerstone if you like. And if you go to Isaiah chapter 2. Here's you've got the, the uh, literality of this of this scene. Where the nations come up to Jerusalem. That's there now for us all to see. But will be changed. And as you, as you read these words. They come to life for us. And it shall come to pass that in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above uh, above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it the nations are going to go to Jerusalem to the land of promise to be taught of the name of God and many people shall say come let's go to the mountain of the Lord the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach of his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem so clearly there we've got Jerusalem the word of the Lord going from Jesus is there in his rightful position as ruler he's the Messiah and the word Messiah suggests the coming king of Israel but also the ruler of all the earth because all nations come up and so these are the great and precious promises that we now have to embrace and believe and if we die we die in faith because we will be raised from the dead and will participate in these promises. And we will live forever because we are partakers of the divine nature, the nature that the Master now has at the right hand of his Father. But we'll come down to the earth so that we can live on the earth with that divine nature. This is the glorious gospel message that comes to us. So let's just finish up by 1 Corinthians 15. And this speaks about the resurrection. This is the final picture of the hope that we have. So 1 Corinthians 15, which we often refer to as the the resurrection chapter. Because it goes into great detail. But we'll just pick out the last few verses here. Going in at verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither the corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall be changed in a moment in a twinkle of an eye at the last trump trumpets shall sound the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed Abraham, Isaac and Jacob David all the ones that have died in faith will be raised and they will be given immortal life for this corruptible must put on incorruption this mortal must put on immortality So there we have the importance of the promises. Without these promises, we will be those who perish. But if we believe these promises and are related to the Lord Jesus, then of course we can be related to the great and precious promises. And they can be precious to us personally. And that's the message that is given to us here in the Word of God. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website. <laughs>